Well, good morning. We gather here this morning to worship our risen Lord and Savior. Today is the Lord's Day, and it is a great privilege to gather here together this morning to worship. Uh, I usually, uh, when I stand up here, uh, ask you uh, to open up your bulletin uh, so that you can follow along with the announcements. Um, not doing that, and uh, I don't usually get too upset if you don't open up your bulletin and follow along, but I'm going to ask you if you would take your copy of God's Word and open it up with me to the book of Psalms, and I might get a little bit upset if you don't do that, but we'll talk later if you would like. Uh, if you do open the bulletin, you can grab the note sheet out of there, so I guess maybe I am asking you a little bit to open up the bulletin, but that's up to you um, for now. Uh, we, are, we are so privileged to have the Word of God in our language, and, and I want you to be able to see it in front of you. Sure, it'll be on the screen, but, but in your lap is so much better, uh, and I think that we uh, need to take full advantage of the blessing that, that God has given us. Um, by allowing us to have His Word in our language. So, uh, this morning, the book of Psalms, we have finished Philippians, uh, and we are just taking a little break here before the next series, and I I just get to, uh, as Pastor Tim said, I can preach whatever I want, and sometimes that is more difficult than being assigned a text. Uh, And so, uh, through much prayer, I've decided to open up uh, Psalm chapter 1, the first psalm. Something, something had to go first, right? Uh, the book of Psalms is written as a hymn book. Uh, and if you have no idea what a hymn book is, just think worship album. Same idea. Uh, but there are 150 songs in this, in this hymn book that we are opening up to the first one this morning. And, and they're, they're, they're written and they deal with a variety of of topics. Anything from lament and praise to, to doctrine and devotion. Songs sung in joy and, and songs written in distress. They say that the book of Psalms contains within it every human emotion that you might ever feel. And so it is a blessing from God that we have that range of emotion contained within Holy Scripture. If you ever ever struggle with finding the words to pray, read the Psalms, and, and you will be given words to express your heart to God. The book of Psalms was not written chronologically, but it is ordered intentionally. And so that means that that Psalm 1 was put in the beginning for a reason. And so when we, when we think about the first psalm, the, the first song written in this book of praise, we might expect that, that it is going to be filled with lofty praise that sets the tone for the rest of the book. But instead, what we find are simple instructions about how to live. Psalm 1 is written poetically 
And it shows us that there are only two ways to live. And this seems fitting with the rest of the Bible. As Bible history seems to be built around the concept of two men picturing two ways of life. We've got Cain and Abel. Ishmael and Isaac. Esau and Jacob. David and Saul. And and all of this culminates in the first Adam and the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And so in all of Scripture, we see this idea of two men, two ways, and two destinies. And that is exactly what we see in Psalm 1. Many commentators have said of Psalm 1 that it's almost as if it were written as a summary of the entire Bible. So for sure, it introduces the book of Psalms, but it also summarizes God's plan of redemption. That only by the righteousness of one man, the man Christ Jesus, is our sin debt able to be paid and the penalty for our sin that we all owe dealt with so that we can stand before the judgment righteous. And that is what we have in the first psalm. We see it is a poem describing these two ways to show us that blessing from God comes not from what we do, but from what we delight ourselves in. Let's read from Psalm chapter 1 this morning. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. God, we we come before you this morning in need of your guidance and in need of your direction. And God, you have given that to us. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that we can gather here this morning to sing praises to you and also to hear your word preached. We pray and ask, God, that you would be with us, that as we hear what your word has to say, if we are challenged, that we would take that to heart. If we are encouraged, God, that you would allow our encouragement to encourage someone else. And help us, God, to go from this place different than when we came in. 
We, we again, we just praise you and thank you for this time. Help us, God, to understand your word by the power of your spirit and to live in light of what it shows us this morning. We pray and ask, God, that you would be glorified, that your name would be lifted up, and that you would draw us closer to yourself here this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray and ask all of these things. Amen. When I was uh, a student involved with New Life, which seems like many, many years ago now, uh, we, went, we went on a hike, and uh, it was... It was supposed to be a nice hike. It was supposed to be like like two hours. But seven hours later, we were still hiking. Uh, we ended up hiking about 16 more miles than we were expecting. Um, and so it was a bit of an interesting situation. Uh, by the time it was too late to turn around, we knew that we had gone in the wrong direction. So, so here's what happened. Uh, we, were, we were hiking, and, and about three-quarters of the way up the trail, we saw a trail marker that said, Heiner Challenge Trail. And, and we got to the top, and we saw the same trail sign, Heiner Challenge Trail. Uh, what we didn't realize on the way back down when we decided to follow that second sign for the Heiner Challenge Trail was that in going on that trail, we were going in the opposite direction that we needed to go. We didn't realize that the trail marker at the top was separated by many, many, many miles from the one that we saw on the way up. So so as we set our course on this new trail, we were actually turning our backs on the right trail that would lead us to our destination. And and what we see in Scripture is that there are two eternal destinations, either heaven or hell. And, And you will spend eternity in one or the other. And how you get there is decided by what you live for in this life. Scripture presents us with two ways to live. You can either live for this life, or you can live for the next one. We can live lives for earthly rewards, or we can live lives for heavenly rewards. And in order to get one, you have to turn your back on the other. Or we could say, in order to get one, you have to refuse the other. You can live your life for the praise of this world, but in doing so... You will turn your back and go the opposite direction of eternal rewards. Or you can live your life for the reward of heaven. But in doing so, you will turn your back on the praise of this world. And and that is exactly what we see in Psalm 1. That there are two ways to live. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And and each of these ways of life has their own destination. And in taking one way, you turn your back on the other. So, So let's look at these two different ways and ask ourselves the question, which way am I going? 
So firstly, we see the way of the righteous in verses 1 through 3. The first word of the first psalm is blessed. Some may translate it happy. But I think, I think both of these words have with them their own misunderstandings. You, you see, the psalmist is not starting off with the idea that if you follow the way of the righteous, you'll get lots of stuff. We tend to think of blessing in terms of what we have. A nice car, a big house, lots of money, so on and so forth. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. The word in the original Hebrew is plural. And, and if we translated it literally, we would have to make up a word in English. It, it would be something like blessednesses. And that's just too many suffixes. Blessednesses is how this psalm starts, which means that the blessing of the way of the righteous is so rich and so intense that it is okay to use improper grammar to describe it. But what we are meant to see is that the blessing of God does not disappear and it is rich beyond measure. So why is that? That's because the blessing of the way of the righteous is God Himself. Both the psalmist and our Savior use this word at the start of their teaching to show how God blesses His people. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do do you see that? Do you see that the blessing of the one who knows their need of God is... God. Specifically, God for all eternity. And that is a rich blessing. We are not to see God as as a piggy bank that we place our coins of faith in, hoping that He will divvy out bigger and better material blessings. We are to see God as the one who richly provides of Himself for us. In following God, our blessing is God. And oh, the blessednesses of a relationship with God. And, and, and so from there, the psalmist continues with a negative description of the way of the righteous. This is poetry, remember? So the psalmist is using this right off the bat to show us the two ways to live. As, as he describes the way of the righteous... He is showing what the righteous must turn their backs on. And it's, it's a great picture that he uses. There are, there are three groups of three in this text. The, the first group is walk, stand, and sit. And they describe the level of action or participation. The second group is counsel, way, and seat which describes the level of influence. And and the third group is wicked, sinners, and scoffers, which is describing the level of unrighteousness. In this description of what the righteous must not do, we see embodied Paul's warning 
in 1 Corinthians 15.33, where he says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Even the most godly among us can be compelled by the community they keep to stray from God's way. But the way of the righteous is not to be informed by the wicked, the sinners, or the scoffers. This digression may start with simply hearing their counsel, but it ends with sitting down and not only participating in, but teaching others the way of the ungodly. And I think that's where we start to see some of the difficulty in this passage. Because we we look at, at so many people around us who are living in open defiance of God. And yet, they just, they just seem happier than us. They just seem to be more satisfied with all of the stuff that they have. And, and maybe, maybe you're tempted like me to think, well, well what, what can it hurt to live like that for a little bit? What can it hurt to follow the way of the wicked? To sit in their counsel. And that's when we need to remember that the two ways of life, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, each have their own destination. And and in verse 6, we see that the way of the wicked will perish. And and God's word is is clear on this in many places. I was reading through Proverbs earlier this week and I came to chapter 24. In verses 19 and 20, it says this, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. If you're tempted to go after what looks like blessing in this life, remember that you must turn your back on blessing in the next life. What you must do to get the applause of the world is be unfaithful to God. And in getting the applause of the world, you will miss the blessing of God. What the psalmist is warning of here is that the sinner's way may seem wonderful and exciting now, but it leads to judgment and death in the life to come. As Proverbs says, the lamp of the wicked will be put out. I think it's important to say that 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 description applies to anyone who is outside of Christ. The only way to have the blessing of being with God for all eternity is to trust in Christ. Trusting Jesus might mean leaving behind the praise of this world. But in return, you get the blessing of God. So so if you're here this morning and you would not call yourself a Christian, let me urge you to trust Jesus. He is better than anything that this world has to offer. And He is the only one who, who can provide the forgiveness of sins that we need to usher us into the eternal blessing of God. And so what then is to be the desire 
and the delight of the righteous one if it is not the praise of this world. Verse 2 says that it is to be the law of the Lord, but on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And and there's a very stark contrast that exists between verses 1 and 2. And you might expect that the advice that is going to come in what the blessed man is to do is going to be the equal and opposite of what we have already read. Maybe, maybe it would read something like this. Blessed is the man who walks in the way of the righteous, who stands in the way of the godly, and sits in the seat of worshipers. But that's not at all what we get. What comes next to describe blessing is not a list of things to do, but rather a summons of what to love. The psalmist says that the blessed one is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. The righteous delight in the instruction of the Lord. But we've got a problem here. Because that's not our natural inclination. When, when was the last time someone told you what to do and you took a praise break? When, kids, when, when was the last time your parents told you, clean your room? And, and it was met with an excited, yes! I love cleaning my room. I love folding clothes. Or, or husbands, the last time your wife asked you to take out the trash... Did you fall on your knees in wonder and amazement at this marvelous task that you get to do? Or, or employees, when your boss tells you you have to stay late, you don't lift your hands in praise. No. We hate being told what to do. We hate being instructed. So how is it then that the righteous delights in the law of of the Lord. It's because God supernaturally changes what we desire so that we can love and serve Him. Romans 8 verse 7 says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot Apart from God acting on us, we will not naturally love Him, His Word, or His way. Delighting in God takes place only after God changes our delights. God must bring us to life spiritually before we desire Him, His Word, and His way. And and when He does that, we delight in His Word because we know that it is in His Word that we both get to know God and to know God's will for our lives. That means that the righteous person seeks counsel from the Word of God, not the wicked. And so the righteous person delights in the instruction of the Lord by meditating on it day and night. 
But, but, but don't let a worldly definition of meditation trick you into, into thinking a certain way about God's Word. The world says empty. But God says fill. We meditate on the Word by filling our minds. Uh, meditation is, is not a chapter a day to keep the devil away. It is contemplating, considering, and diving deep in the Word to know God. Warren Wearsby said it this way, that, that digestion is to the body what meditation is to the soul. So, so we could have the picture of, of a cow who is chewing, swallows, but then brings it back up to keep chewing to make sure that it gets all of the nutrients out of that food that it can. And, and when we meditate on God's Word, we continually chew it over in our minds to get all of the spiritual nutrients out of it that we can. It is far better to read one verse and think about it all day than it is to read an entire chapter and come away from it unchanged. God has given us His Word so that we can become more like Him in our delights and our desires. And so that we can walk faithfully on the way of the righteous. It's not meant merely for our information. God's Word is meant for our transformation. So, so do you think on God's Word in this way? Is your mind filled with Scripture so that you can meditate on it day and night. This, this may mean memorizing parts, portions, passages of God's Word so that you can think on it, so that you can chew it over in your mind all day long. And, and I just need you to know that you are far more able to memorize than you think. Uh, you, you may know the stats of your favorite player, the, the seasons and bag limits for next season, all of the, the quotes from your favorite show, all of the songs that you love to listen to, the details of the life of your favorite actor or actress. But what about God's Word? All you did to, to memorize that information was repeatedly put it into your head. Whether through binging on Netflix or spending hours on the internet intently pouring over it, you thought about it over and over. Do you do, you do that with God's Word? How much, how much time a day do you spend with God in His Word? And, and I just need you to know, Sunday mornings are not enough. You and I need to daily renew our minds with Scripture so that we can daily live in its counsel. You can't delight in what you don't know. So take up and read God's Word and meditate on it day and night. One, one commentator said it this way. He said, my friend, and you know if somebody starts a quote with my friend, there might be some difficult um, advice coming after that. He says, My friend, God has no plan or program 
by which you are to grow and develop as a believer apart from His Word. You can be busy as a termite in your church and possibly have the same effect, but you will not grow by means of activity. You will grow by meditating upon the Word of God. That is, by going over it again and again in your thinking until it becomes a part of your life. This is the practice of a blessed man. And, and there, was a, there was a time in my life, in the not so distant past, that I, I knew more what my favorite preacher said about a particular passage than I knew of that passage. But, but hearing someone tell you what God's Word says is not meditation. If the only encounter with God's Word you have throughout the week is here on a Sunday morning, your delight in God will be lacking. And so you and I need to spend daily time with God in His Word. There is simply no substitute for encountering God to increase our delight. When I was in seminary, one of, one of my assignments was to read Psalm 19 every day out loud. It became one of my favorite psalms and, and still is to this day. But at, at first, it felt really silly. And I, I didn't really know why I was doing it. Why I was, I was in my apartment alone reading the Bible out loud. But not, not long after that, I started doing it with all of my daily reading. And, and I, I still do it to this day. If you were to come to my house in the morning when I'm sitting in my chair reading the Word, uh, you would find me reading God's Word out loud. Not always loudly, because Brown is in the other room reading as well. Don't want to distract from her time. But I'm reading it out loud. There's, there's just something about reading God's Word out loud. It, it, it slows me down. It allows me to hear it instead of just think it. It gets other senses involved. And it helps me to pay more attention and, and that's exactly what meditation is. It is speaking the Word of God to yourself. But, but to be done properly, I must continue that conversation when I get up from my chair. I must keep it going all day long. And, and so maybe that would be a good place for you to start this week. Each day, read Psalm 1 out loud. It's only six verses, so maybe read it two or three times. Understand the flow of the text. Understand where the different pauses are. And I would love to hear from you throughout the week or next week when we gather to hear how God used His Word to increase your delight in Him. We move then to, to verse 3, which says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
verse 3 finishes out the description of the blessed by picturing a tree planted near a stream. Even in times of drought, this tree flourishes because it has a deep root system that draws its nourishment from an abundantly flowing stream. This is what you and I will experience when we delight in and meditate on God's Word. The promise here is that whatever difficulty we go through, we will have God with us. The difficulty does not become easy, but we are comforted through it by God Himself. Because remember, the blessing of God is God. And and your delight in God is like a root system. The deeper it goes, the more it can withstand and still produce fruit. So take time to sink the roots of your soul down into the rich soil of God's Word. That is contrasted then in verses 4 and 5 with the way of the wicked. The wicked, instead of delighting in God, delight in self. The description of the wicked is much shorter than the description of the righteous. The psalmist does not give a great and detailed description. He simply says that the life and destiny of the wicked are the opposite of the righteous. He is not blessed. He does not delight in the law of the Lord or meditate on it. He is not like a tree. He is not planted. He has no fruit and no season. He does not prosper. And he pictures all of that by calling them chaff. Chaff is the outer shell or or husk that covers kernels of grain. And at harvest time, uh, the farmer would, would cut the grain and take it to the threshing floor and the stalks of grain would be crushed under the weight of an ox-drawn sled. Then the farmer would sift the wheat by tossing it in the air. The good grain would fall back down to the earth, but the slightest wind would carry the chaff away. That's the peril of the wicked. They are not planted trees that bear fruit. They are unusable chaff that is easily blown away. And so chaff is the life, the fruit of a life lived for self. It's good for nothing and has no use. And remember, each way of life has a destination. And the way of the wicked, while there may be blessing here and now, only leads to eternal judgment. And that's exactly what we see in verse 5. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. When standing before the judgment seat of God, the wicked will have no case to present and no righteousness to plead. They will not gain entrance into the congregation of the righteous. And, And that's not because they didn't try hard enough. That's not because they didn't earn enough righteousness. It's because delighting in themselves... They turned their backs on God. And that is what is confirmed in verse 6, the last section of the text. The two final destinations. It says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. 
Now, this is not simply a knowledge of what's going on. God has a knowledge of what's going on in the wicked as well. It is a knowledge of care and intimacy. We could read it, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. With God as their guide, the righteous enter into God's blessing. The Lord knows and cares for the righteous. And He will also know and care for them when they step into the judgment. But the way of the wicked will perish. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in its end it leads to death. The way of the righteous is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. But the way of the wicked is death. The psalm opened with the word blessed, and it closes with the word perish. This is the contrast of the two ways to live. The righteous are blessed, and the wicked perish. So which way are you going? Which path are you on? I hope that you will take time to seriously ask yourself that question. The path that you are on has an eternal destination. And every single person will spend eternity somewhere. Either heaven or hell. But the good news this morning is that if you are traveling the way of the wicked, a U-turn is possible. Confess your sin to God. Turn from your delight in self and ask God to be your delight. Run to the cross. I, I started off this morning by telling, telling you the story of, of the hike that, that we were on probably 10 years ago now with New Life. What I, what I didn't tell you is that we were eventually rescued by some guy in a truck. It was, it was starting to get dark. And we were, we were in more trouble than we realized, but we knew we were going in the wrong direction. But as soon as we saw that truck coming, we were willing to pay whatever price was necessary to get us back. We knew that we could not rescue ourselves, and we were thankful that that truck came to our rescue. And that is a small picture of what is in front of you this morning. If you know you are on the wrong path, simply admit that you cannot save yourself. But guess what? God sent His Son to do the work necessary to ensure that you could live with Him forever. Jesus came to rescue us from the destination of the way of the wicked. He paid the price you and I deserve and took all of God's wrath so that nothing but God's blessing would remain for us. Receive the forgiveness of God through faith in the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. Stand up from the seat of scoffers. Run from the way of sinners. Turn from the counsel of the wicked and run to God. Confess your sin to Him and know that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
Jesus is the only one who has followed the way of the righteous perfectly. And if you turn to Him in faith, His righteousness is made your righteousness. And you will receive the eternal blessing of God. So what is it that we are to do in light of this text? How can we apply it to our lives? How will we live differently because of hearing God's Word this morning? There's much I could say, but I have three things for you this morning. From 1 Corinthians 15.33, firstly, bad company corrupts good morals. Choose who and what influences you wisely. Whether it's close friends or the media that you intake, you will be influenced by what you put into your mind. And and what I said a few weeks ago rings true here as well. You cannot put garbage into your mind and expect to get godliness in your life. So ask yourself, what garbage am I putting into my mind? Cut it out and instead fill your mind with Scripture. Secondly, from Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Fill your mind with so much Scripture that it comes out in all that you do. We have have such ready access to God's Word that I, I fear that we take it for granted. There are more translations currently in our back pockets than some languages have of individual words of Scripture. And and we're blessed in that way. We praise God that He has given us His Word. But we should take advantage of that blessing. One practical thing that I would say in that regard is get a translation of the Bible that you can understand. Because if you can't understand what you're reading you're not going to read it. I would recommend uh, the ESV. It's a great translation that's very readable. Uh, It's also very accurate. Try also the the CSB, which is a newer translation. That's also very good. If you can understand it, you'll have uh, more ability to read it. Uh, Along the lines of meditating on the Word of God, Maybe it would be helpful for you to find someone to meditate with. Get a memorization partner. Uh, Isaac Brady and I recently uh, set out to memorize some scripture. He did a much better job than I did. But get someone who can encourage you in that process. Do you realize that, that you and I will have no meaningful relationship with God apart from His Word. If, if you were the best friend that you never talked to, what kind of relationship would you have? None. So, so we need to hear from God in His Word and respond in prayer so that our relationship with Him gets stronger every day. Thirdly, 1 Timothy 4.7 says, Discipline yourselves. For the purpose of godliness. Oftentimes, delight starts with discipline. 
There may be times when you have to force yourself to get out of bed in the morning to read the Word of God. Fight through it. I I don't wake up every day desiring the Word of God. But that's why I need discipline to help me delight. And in those times, when I fight through it, God is faithful to meet me in His Word and show me His goodness. One of, one of my favorite hymn writers is Isaac Watts, and, and he translated all of the Psalms into poems. And so in closing, I'd like to read his poem on Psalm 1 because I think it does a great job of picturing these two ways to live. He says this, Blessed is the man who shuns the place where sinners love to meet, who fears to tread their wicked ways and hates the scoffer's seat. But in the statutes of the Lord has placed his chief delight. By day he reads or hears the word and meditates by night. Green as the leaf and ever fair shall his profession shine, while fruits of holiness appear like clusters on the vine. Not so the impious and unjust, what vain designs they form. Their hopes are blown away like dust, or chaff before the storm. Sinners in judgment shall not stand amongst the sons of grace, when Christ the judge at his right hand appoints his saints a place. His eyes behold the path they tread, his heart approves it well, but crooked ways of sinners lead down to the gates of hell. There are only two ways to live. Delighting in self or delighting in God. Which path are you on? It is my prayer that we would all be on the path of the righteous and that our delight in God would increase every day. Let's pray. God, we thank you and praise you for your word. May it be a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. 